Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And 99.3 WBT, Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110 is the telephone number as always. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter slash X. Follow me on X slash Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I'm just going to let you know my voice is a little scratchy tonight, so I apologize for maybe being difficult to hear me or listen to me more than usual. More than it usually is difficult to listen to me. So I apologize if it's a little bit rougher tonight. All right, so we got a lot that we're going to get into tonight. We got the Panthers and we got politics. And we are going to start with politics. So in District 6, Susan Rodriguez McDowell is a county commissioner. I think she's been elected two times, maybe, maybe three times. Uh, what, 20? Yeah, I think three times. Three times she's been elected, I think. But anyways, nonetheless, she is running and has been the, the, you know, the representative for District 6 in the county commissioners. And she famously, most recently, was the one, and she represents Mint Hill, Pineville, Matthews, South Charlotte, right? That's her, part of her, that's her main part of her district. She famously, not long ago, in the middle of a county commissioner board meeting, voiced her displeasure and almost disgust and disdain that the town of Mint Hill, which is one of her towns that she represents, actually got money from the state budget, like $18.5 million for things like, you know, the a new community center and for the athletic league there and the recreation department and, you know, the cops, help funding the cops and a lot of the Chamber of Commerce. And she just was not happy that Something in her district got money, and that was all because of Trisha Cotham. Let's be honest. That's the town that she was representing in the North Carolina General Assembly. So part of the budget was Mint Hill got a lot of this money, and Susan Rodriguez McDowell was not happy about that. And from what I understand, there are a lot of people in Mint Hill not happy with Susan Rodriguez McDowell because of the things that she said about and just her being upset that a town she represents got funded. Like, okay, whatever. So anyways, there's now someone who's filed to run against her. He's a Republican, and his name is Jim Maraccio. And Jim Maraccio has decided that there needs to be a Republican on the county commission because there are zero Republicans on the county commission. There's two on city council, and there's only one on the school board. So with all that being said, he filed a couple days ago to run. As a matter of fact, it was yesterday. He filed yesterday to run against Susan Rodriguez McDowell. And so I was able to catch up with him for an interview on why he's running 
and whether or not he can beat Susan Rodriguez McDowell. So here's Jim Maraccio. Jim, why the ultimate decision to run against a pretty strong, what has been a pretty strong incumbent in Susan Rodriguez McDowell? Yeah, yeah she's a three-time incumbent. Um, you know, a lot of things that push people to run, it's generally some level of frustration and need for some change. And when I look at what's been happening here, uh, you know, our taxes continue to be increased. There's not a great level of accountability of where that money is going. Okay. A good case in point is uh, the school board. We're $2.5 billion referendum, and if you look at the numbers really, it's it's closer to 4.1 because that can be increased in five years without voter approval by 60% or two-thirds. Um, and so looking at how that money is being spent when they can't even keep a superintendent around for more than a couple of years. Um, so I think we need to be doing things like that and having just better oversight fiscally. Uh, and that's a lot of what's driving me. Uh, but also when I talk to people in the community, uh, you know, community leaders, there's not a level of collaboration, uh, both between the community leaders and the county commission, but also even among the county commission. So um, as a business professional for 25 plus years, I'm hoping that I can step in here and help to bridge some of that gap, get people to work together, communicate better, uh, and, and serve those constituents. When did you start actually thinking about running? I mean, this generally is not something that happens overnight. So when did this process begin? Um, so six or seven years ago when uh, we had some riots uptown, I got really uh, frustrated, really upset. And I reached out to uh, my city council member, Ed Driggs, at the time. And I said, how can I get involved and help? And at the time, I actually considered running at large uh, city council and didn't. But I did get appointed to city council committee and then to uh, Mayor Lyles appointed me to a task force a couple years later and so I've been kind of in the periphery uh, just learning and watching and and waiting for the right time and moment and uh, now it's here. Politics is a battlefield especially during election time so how do you plan on getting the votes and securing the votes in a district that she's won a few times? Well, I think, uh, you know, when I'm hearing people on the street and and community leaders, I'm hearing pushback on her ability to be collaborative, her working with, uh, you know, whether it's the the town of Mint Hill or Matthews or Pineville or or the Ballantyne area where I'm hoping to represent. um, There's, you know, I don't I don't know that she's got the support there that maybe she needs. And I think I can I can earn that and bring that forward. What were your thoughts when she criticized Trisha Cotham for getting Mint Hill million, tens of millions of dollars for their community? Case in point, and why I listed uh, Mint Hill first on that, on that um, she's clearly not listening to her constituents. And uh, they have every right to be frustrated and upset. And part of what I'm hoping to do is be more collaborative, like I've said a few times. And you know, let's work with the, the town of Mint Hill and the town of Pineville and the town of Matthews and in the area of Ballantyne and Steel Creek, the, the District 6 covers, and say, yeah, how can we serve them better? And then uh, also collaborate more between the county and the city and, and the other uh, different political institutions that we've got that we all have to, to share and, and work together with. The one thing that catches everyone off guard, whether it's a city council, school board, or county commissioner, is how much time it actually takes. And it will take anywhere from 30 to 50 hours a week, every single week, on top of your regular business life, your family life, and all that. 
Are you prepared for that? Yeah, I am, of course. I, I wouldn't be stepping forward if I didn't think I, I was able to do it. Uh, I'm fortunate that um, I'm a business owner and I've got some flexibility working around that. I also have, have supported uh, friends and family, and uh, you know, a couple of them are here with me today, my, my immediate family. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're, we're ready to do this, and I'm freeing up some other space with other volunteer boards that I've been sitting on that I'll be wrapping up in the next six months, so I've got more capacity for this. But, um, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to be busy, I find that I'm more productive when I've got a lot on my plate, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. In terms of the volunteering, get a little bit more into that aspect of what, what you just said. Sure, sure. So uh, you know, I mentioned from a priority standpoint, we need to look at, at fiscal responsibility and accountability for overseeing that. And I've been fortunate that I was the, the chair and uh, on the, the uh privatization and competition advisory committee for the city for almost five years and chair for a year of that and we were overlooking how the city was spending money and where that was happening i was also appointed by mayor lyles to the charlotte moves mobility task force uh that looked at everything from light rail to sidewalks and everything in between and i was one of the few republicans on that and uh when we were looking at how where's this money going to come from how is it going to be spent uh, i was able to provide input there so i've got i've got volunteer experience at that level as well as sitting on other boards that i can bring to this to to aid in, in better understanding what we need to be doing well, I'm curious, what did you find? Were, were, are they spending the money properly? Were they not spending the money properly? Were they raising the money properly? Were they not? What did you see when you were d- doing all that? Well, with a, a good example on the mobility task force, uh, I they weren't they had, hadn't been raised yet. The talk right now is let's let's add another one cent tax to do it. Um, at, at the end of that, if you watch the last meeting when everybody in the task force approved or didn't approve, uh, you know, I was one of the people that said, no, I, I don't approve the way we're, we're funding this. Um, it hasn't happened anyways. Uh, but, uh, but I was there when we went through the numbers and said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. If you look at what was discussed then, and you hear some of my comments as well, I was questioning the numbers of the actual costs. Uh, you know, some of those numbers just didn't add up as far as the land costs and the labor costs and and we know how inflation's affected everything the last couple of years so that was a few years ago it's even gotten worse last question in terms of what you'd like to see accomplished or things that you'd like to see changed or where you differ from her in particular voting or political stances putting all that together how how are you different from her and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110 is the telephone number as always. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter slash X. Follow me on X slash Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I'm just going to let you know my voice is a little scratchy tonight, so I apologize for maybe being difficult to hear me or listen to me more than usual. More than it usually is difficult to listen to me. So I apologize if it's a little bit rougher tonight. All right, so we got a lot that we're going to get into tonight. we got the Panthers and we got politics. And we are going to start with politics. So in District 6, 
Susan Rodriguez McDowell is a county commissioner. I think she's been elected two times, maybe, maybe three times. Uh, what, 20? Yeah, I think three times. Three times she's been elected, I think. But anyways, nonetheless, she is running and has been the, the, you know, the representative for District 6 in the county commissioners. And she famously, most recently, was the one, and she represents Mint Hill, Pineville, Matthews, South Charlotte, right? That's her part of her, that's her main part of her district. She famously, not long ago, in the middle of a county commissioner board meeting, voiced her displeasure and almost disgust and disdain that the town of Mint Hill, which is one of her towns that she represents, actually got money from the state budget, like $18.5 million for things like, you know, the, a new community center and for the athletic league there and the recreation department and, you know, the cops help funding the cops and a lot of the chamber of commerce. And she just was not happy that something in her district got money. And that was all because of Trisha Cotham. Let's be honest. That's the town that she was representing in the North Carolina general assembly. So part of the budget was Mint Hill got a lot of this money and, Susan Rodriguez McDowell was not happy about that. And from what I understand, there are a lot of people in Mint Hill not happy with Susan Rodriguez McDowell because of the things that she said about and just her being upset that a town she represents got funded. Like, okay, whatever. So anyways, there's now someone who's filed to run against her. He's a Republican and his name is Jim Maraccio. And Jim Maraccio has decided that there needs to be a Republican on the county commission because there are zero Republicans on the county commission. There's two on city council and there's only one on the school board. So with all that being said, he filed a couple days ago to run. As a matter of fact, it was yesterday. He filed yesterday to run against Susan Rodriguez McDowell. And so I was able to catch up with him for an interview on why he's running and whether or not he can beat Susan Rodriguez McDowell. So here's Jim Maraccio. Jim, why the ultimate decision to run against a pretty strong, what has been a pretty strong incumbent in Susan Rodriguez McDowell? Yeah, yeah she's a three-time incumbent. Um, you know, a lot of things that push people to run, it's generally some level of frustration and need for some change. And when I look at what's been happening here, uh, you know, our taxes continue to be increased. There's not a great level of accountability of where that money is going. Okay. You know, a good case in point is uh, the school board. We're $2.5 billion referendum. And if you look at the numbers, really, it's it's closer to 4.1 because that can be increased in five years without voter approval by 60% or two-thirds. Um, and so looking at how that money is being spent when they can't even keep a superintendent around for more than a couple of years. Um, so I think we need to be doing things like that and having just better oversight fiscally. Uh, and that's a lot of what's driving me. Um, but also when I talk to people in the community, uh, you know, community leaders, there's not a level of collaboration, uh, both between the community leaders and the county commission, but also even among the county commission. So um, as a business professional for 25 plus years, I'm hoping that I can step in here and help to bridge some of that gap, get people to work together, communicate better, uh, and, and serve those constituents. 
When did you start actually thinking about running? I mean, this generally is not something that happens overnight. So when did this process begin? Um, so six or seven years ago when uh, we had some riots uptown, I got really uh, frustrated, really upset. And I reached out to uh, my city council member, Ed Driggs at the time, and I said, how can I get involved and help? And at the time, I actually considered running at large uh, city council and didn't, but I did get appointed to city council committee and then to uh, Mayor Lyles appointed me to a task force a couple years later. And so I've been kind of in the periphery, uh, just learning and watching and, and waiting for the right time and moment. And uh, now it's here. Politics is a battlefield, especially during election time. So how do you plan on getting the votes and securing the votes in a district that she's won a few times? Well, I think, uh, you know, when I'm hearing people on the street and, and community leaders, I'm hearing pushback on her you know, ability to be collaborative, her working with, uh, you know, whether it's the, the town of Mint Hill or Matthews or Pineville or, or the Ballantyne area where I'm hoping to represent. Um, there's, you know, I don't, I don't know that she's got the support there that maybe she needs. And I think I can, I can earn that and bring that forward. What were your thoughts when she criticized Trisha Cotham for getting Mint Hill millions, tens of millions of dollars for their community? Case in point, and why I listed uh, Mint Hill first on that, on that um, is she's clearly not listening to her constituents. And uh, they have every right to be frustrated and upset. And part of what I'm hoping to do is be more collaborative, like I've said a few times. And you know, let's work with the, the town of Mint Hill and the town of Pineville and the town of Matthews and in the area of Ballantyne and Steel Creek, the, the District 6 covers, and say, yeah, how can we serve them better? And then uh, also collaborate more between the county and the city and, and the other uh, different political institutions that we've got that we all have to, to share and, and work together with. The one thing that catches everyone off guard, whether it's a city council, school board, or county commissioner, is how much time it actually takes. And it'll take anywhere from 30 to 50 hours a week, every single week, on top of your regular business life, your family life, and all that. Are you prepared for that? Yeah, I am, of course. I, I wouldn't be stepping forward if I didn't think I, I was able to do it. Uh, I'm fortunate that um, I'm a business owner and I've got some flexibility working around that. I also have, have supported uh, friends and family, and uh, you know, a couple of them are here with me today, my, my immediate family. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're, we're ready to do this, and I'm freeing up some other space with other volunteer boards that I've been sitting on that I'll be wrapping up in the next six months, so I've got more capacity for this. But, um, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to be busy, I find that I'm more productive when I've got a lot on my plate, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. In terms of the volunteering, get a little bit more into that aspect of what, what you just said. Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, I mentioned from a priority standpoint, we need to look at, at fiscal responsibility and accountability for overseeing that. And I've been fortunate that I was the, the chair and uh, on the, the uh privatization and competition advisory committee for the city for almost five years and chair for a year of that and we were overlooking how the city was spending money and where that was happening i was also appointed by mayor lyles to the charlotte moves mobility task force uh that looked at everything from light rail to sidewalks and everything in between and i was one of the few republicans on that and uh when we were looking at how where's this money going to uh, come from how is it going to be spent uh, i was able to provide input there so i've got i've got volunteer experience at that level as well as sitting on other boards that i can bring to this to to aid in, in better understanding what we need to be doing well, I'm curious, what did you find? Are they spending the money properly? Were they not spending the money properly? Were they raising the money properly? Were they not? 
what did you see when you were doing all that? Well, with a good example on the mobility task force, uh, I they weren't they had, hadn't been raised yet. The talk right now is let's let's add another one cent tax to do it. Um, at, at the end of that, if you watch the last meeting when everybody in the task force approved or didn't approve, uh, you know, I was one of the people that said, no, I, I don't approve the way we're, we're funding this. Um, it hasn't happened anyway. So, uh, but, uh, but I was there when we went through the numbers and said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. If you look at what was discussed then and you hear some of my comments as well, I was questioning the numbers of the actual costs. Uh, you know, some of those numbers just didn't add up as far as the land costs and the labor costs and and we know how inflation's affected everything the last couple of years so that was a few years ago it's even gotten worse last question in terms of what you'd like to see accomplished or things that you'd like to see changed or where you differ from her in particular voting or political stances putting all that together how how are you different from Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So it's been a wild week, or actually a wild two weeks, for all the candidates filing for Congress and state elections and local elections. And None has been really more wild than what's been going on in the local congressional districts, especially on the Republican side. District 8, I think, has six or seven candidates. That's the Union County, eastern part of Mecklenburg County, Anson County, Cabarrus County, Stanley County, a lot of different counties going east. And there's a lot of candidates over there, like John Bradford, really through, you know, uh, caught people off guard by announcing his candidacy earlier in the week. And, you know, he's uh, a state representative. And then also, you know, last week where you had Patrick McHenry, who's already in Congress, who's been in Congress for 20 years, announce he's retiring. He's not running for Congress for re-election. And then that meant Pat Harrigan, who was running against Tim Moore in one of the districts, Gaston County, Cleveland County, that type area, then switched to... Patrick McHenry's old spot that he left vacant, which is uh, Lincoln County and Iredell County and Catawba County and Yadkin County. So he's running for that. And then Gray Mills, whose father-in-law is the car dealer, Randy Marion. We all know who Randy Marion is. Well, he's a state representative and he announced that he's running and for Patrick McHenry's old seat as well. And then you had what happened in District 6, which caught a lot of people off guard. You had... Mark Walker already running against Bo Hines. That was already set. Bo Hines, who's ran for a lot of elections and has lost every single one of them, and he's in his, I want to say, early 20s or mid-20s, something like that. 
Um, and then Mark Walker, who was running for governor, then dropped out to run for Congress once the lines were redrawn. But earlier this week, Donald Trump caught everyone off guard. Bo Hines just assumed that he was going to get Donald Trump's endorsement because he got Donald Trump's endorsement a year and a half ago when he actually lost to a beatable Democrat in his particular district. So he thought he was going to get Donald Trump's endorsement again this year. Well, guess what? So he puts out a tweet basically saying, yeah, I was Donald Trump's guy. And then like the very next day, Donald Trump came out and said, nope, I'm actually endorsing somebody else. Trump is endorsing a newcomer and Addison McDowell is his name. Like Bo Hines, he's a younger guy, but maybe not as young as Bo Hines. I honestly don't know his age, but you can just tell by looking at him that he's you know, fairly young. I mean, maybe he's 30, maybe he's 27, 28. I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you that he's young or younger. And he got the endorsement of Donald Trump this week. And that caught a lot of people off guard. And that made statewide news. I, I just I saw things for like the Carolina Coast newspaper and way out in the mountains. People were writing about it and doing stories about it. And up in Raleigh and obviously here in the Charlotte area. And that's part of the Cabarrus County District. And that's a big deal. So Bo Hines didn't get it. Uh, Mark Walker didn't get it. And look, here's the thing about Christian Castelli. He spent 20 years in the armed services, special forces, and he was in a lot of bad places, including Mogadishu. So, so it surprised me somewhat when Trump didn't endorse him. He, he endorsed the younger candidate, but not Bo Hines and not Mark Walker. So... It's just a wild stuff going on in all the district races, and it's going to be very, very interesting as to what happens going forward between now and March 5th when that is primary day. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mudslinging probably. Maybe not, but I would assume there's going to be mudslinging because there's some prominent candidates and a lot of people fighting for a lot of seats, and this will be interesting. The only one, oddly enough, who really doesn't have much competition is Tim Moore because a lot of people decided not to run against him in the Gaston County, Cleveland County, that whole area, because Pat Harrigan has switched from that district and now running for the Patrick McHenry district, like I said, which is Lincoln County, Catawba County, and some of the other areas. So, but it will be wild. And I hope to have most, if not all of those congressional candidates on my show between now and the end of January and even going into early February. All right, when we return... It is Panthers Friday. We'll hear from Bryce Young when we come back. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night. Man, we are just about a week away before the Christmas holidays really kick into full gear. All the Christmas parties are going on this past week and this upcoming week. 
but you know what? It's just a perfect time of season. I, I love this time of year. All right, but it is a Friday, and that means it's Panthers Friday. So let's hear from Bryce Young, because, you know, a lot of times we play from Frank Reich and talk about all the hard questions that were being asked him. Well, guess what? He's no longer the head coach, obviously, getting fired. So that leaves Bryce Young, who's come under the microscope in a lot of different ways. And so, look, I always like to say this. I want you to hear the questions and then the answers themselves, not a 90-second soundbite. I want you to hear everything in its entirety because there are a lot of hard questions as well. So here is Bryce Young from his press conference talking about last week and this upcoming week. You look back over the film, um, what you learn um, from studying that? Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, some stuff schematically, obviously. Um, you know, we want to execute better. Um, you know, some stuff just, you know, obviously looking back at myself, there's definitely some misses in there. Um, so just trying to, you know, get more reps at, at certain throws, um, trying to find ways to, you know, just with myself and, you know, everything I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, mechanically. And I'm just out the week, try to uh, work on a few things. Um, so, you know, definitely was, was a, a lot to learn from in the film. Bruce, when you're 1 12, what, what is, what do you use as motivation each week to, you know, to get out there play. I mean, there's there's definitely plenty of motivation. Um, you know, obviously we're all competitors and we want to win. And yet, you know, it's it's obviously it's not a feeling we felt often at all. Um, but it doesn't, you know, if anything, it makes you more more hungry. You don't want to feel that. Um, you know, to want to win, to to want to have that, and then, um, you know. On top of that, obviously, just just growth. Um, you know, having a growth mindset, um, something that we all talk about, we all embody. There's obviously a lot of room for improvement. So, um, you know, we're eager to go out there and 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 grow and be better. Any, any uh, you know, with the Falcons being tied for first, and I mean, is there any you know motivation to want to be spoiled or that type of thing too, or no? Um, you know, we. You know, obviously, it's it's division game. Um, you know, division opponent, obviously, uh, out of the race now. But you know, for us, you know, really just just focus on ourselves. Um, you know, we we want to make sure that you know we're doing everything we can to again. We, we obviously we have to be better. We have to improve on a lot of things in this opportunity to do so. Um, so, you know, right now it's just focusing on ourselves, how we can clean stuff up, how we can get better. And really, that, that's the main motivation. As a group, is there anything you've seen improve from a communication standpoint, maybe over the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, just the more reps we get at it, being able to, to you know, communicate more, um, you know, obviously it, it helps. And um, a, lot of, a lot of new people from this team, obviously, now we're at the end of the season, so that's not the case anymore. We're, we're obviously familiar with each other, well acquainted, but still just the, the more reps you can get, it always helps. You guys ran some pony personnel, the, the two back sort of sets. What, what, without giving anything away, what do you like about that look, having those two backs? Yeah, um, you know, just having faith in, in our backs. Um, just an ability to get them out in the field, uh, try to get them out in, in space. Um, you know, we, we've had, had some really productive backs, so um, just a way to, 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 to utilize those those weapons. Right, so you got close on some of the deep shots on Sunday but couldn't connect. I mean, you hit a lot of those in college. When you went back and looked at the one Sunday, what did you see from yourself on those attempts? Yeah, just, you know, just misses. Um, you know, did, did a great job from um, and on the perimeter of creating that separation and um, obviously I have to do a better job of executing and getting the ball there. Um, you know, you just look back at it from a, um, you know, from a mechanical standpoint and, and, you know, figuring out little stuff from, from rep to reps and, you know, you try to make that a point of emphasis um, throughout the week. So I uh, definitely was, was able to learn. Right. 
being sacked 48 times in, in 12 starts. I mean, it's four games. It's a lot. I mean, do you feel like it has impacted your, like, when you're in the pocket, are you, uh, say, panicking, but, like, are you sped up a little bit? Do you feel like from a season of being hit a lot? No, I mean, you know. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Part of the game, of course, is part of the game. Um, you know, they get paid on, on the other side of the ball, too. Um, you know, it, we've, you know, it's NFL, obviously, everyone's, everyone gets paid to do what they do. Um, and it's our job to make sure, you know, to put the, the play behind us in the past and to make sure that we're efficient about going going across what we're doing and then being able to react if, if something does happen. Um, so, really, that's, that's the thought process. Something that you mentioned previously was about your motivation. Uh, where does it rank with you? motivationally that the coaching staff still buys into you believe in you. Yeah, um that, that that means a lot to me. Um again we, we all play for each other. Um we all you know we're all we all put a lot into this. Um, you know, day in and, and day out. There's a lot that goes into it. So I'm I'm very grateful for, for the staff. Obviously it's been there's been, you know, you know, it's, it's been rough and there's been changes, but still without that, um, you know, just the belief and, and the faith and um, just the hard work that they put in, uh, it, it goes a long way for me. So, um, you know, myself, we all want to do everything we can to reciprocate that um, and to go out and execute. But, yeah, it definitely does mean a lot. Bryce, when you think back on how you sort of process game films on Monday and that kind of stuff, has that changed from September to December, the way you kind of look at your own game? Um. I think in some ways, in most ways, you know, it's really the same process. Um, again, you're, you're you're talking with with coaches. Um, you know, you're collaborating. It's something that we, we do together of um, of just talking through the thought process. Um, you know, going back. Um, you know, looking at the good and the bad, and you know that part hasn't changed. Obviously, as um, you know, as I grow in the offense, as certain parts of offense grow, as, as we grow as a unit, um, you know, there's certain things that you know become more expectations, and certain things that you look for, and certain specific things. So I'd say that's probably what changes. Um, but the overall thought process, the overall dynamic of 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 what you're looking at, it doesn't change too much. Are there specific things you see now, maybe that you didn't necessarily notice as much, or see differently early in the year? Um, I wouldn't say anything, anything too too different. Again, it's more the process of it. Um, it's just being more comfortable as far as um, executing and seeing it efficiently and seeing it quicker and. Um, it's still the same stuff that we're, you know, that you look for, and you know, obviously you get different concepts, you get different different schemes, and you know that plays a part in it. It's just how quickly and how efficiently, um, you know, I'm able to do that, and I feel like I'm I'm growing in that, and have to, you know, still continue to grow with that. Alex said that having Monday off, just kind of getting that little mental break, it allowed him to reset. He said he felt like he was 23 out there today, running around. Did you notice any anything different with energy today? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, just just having that that time to that little extra time to reset. Um, you know, you know, do what what we all had to do away from it with getting my right body right, whatever it may be, reviewing stuff, um, and then now just being able to, to have that time. And then obviously we're we're back to work now. Um, so it definitely felt like there's energy and a juice out there that that comes with it. Um, and again, we have to carry that out and then carry it into Sunday. Always looks twenty three. The last question from David. Now, who have you reached out to or who's reached out to you uh, recently just to kind of help keep you motivated and 
and, and understanding that this is things may get better. Yeah, there, there's been there's been a lot of people. Um, there's been um, from coaches to, to players, um, obviously to, to family that I've leaned on um, as well through it. And you know, throughout all that, um, really the people that you know, there you have conversations, you have phone calls, which have been great. Um, but being able to just go through this again, we're all in the same boat in this building. Um, coaches, staff, front office, players, we're all in the same boat. We all you know, give our all, we're all not getting the result we want, and we're all, you know, trying to weather that and overcome it. So, um, you know, I've, I've been super grateful for people who have reached out and had conversations with people, um, and, you know, they, they know who they are. I really am grateful for it. Um, but really who gets us through that on the day-to-day is just being here and and, um, and being with my team. Again, we're all in this together, so um, that, that's really who kind of kind of helps get me through it. It's, it's a pretty pretty long list. If I if I mention a couple, I'll be forgetting more. So I I prefer not to. But I, I it, I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for it. What do you think of the black helmets? I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm very excited for them. Okay, so look, that's Bryce Young, and it's been a very very difficult year for Bryce Young to say the least. And look, I've said this many times. Look, I I, I don't put any of this on him. Like, maybe he's regressed a little bit, but I think there might be various reasons. And one of them is that he's becoming gun-shy. Wouldn't you be gun-shy if every single time you took a snap and you went to throw a ball that you're just getting destroyed any single time? Like, it's one. he has one of the least amounts of time in the entire NFL. It's an actual stat, a real stat. One of the least amounts of time to throw the ball. Because the offensive line with the Carolina Panthers is so bad. But also, there's a couple of byproducts of that. One, the wide receivers aren't very good. But two, that means the wide receivers have less time to get open, which means they're not getting open. Because the offensive line is so bad that Bryce Young has to throw the ball earlier. So there's a lot of variables working into this. And so, you know, people are seriously coming after Bryce Young. My thoughts are this. It might be the point now where you need just to go ahead and sit Bryce Young for the rest of the year. You've only got like, I don't know, what, four or five games left, whatever it is. Go ahead and sit him. Let him learn. Let him recoup. Let him reset. Let him restart, if you will. Let him reboot, if you will. And just let Andy Dalton play the last season out. So that way Bryce can learn some things and see how things are being done with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. And you also guarantee that Bryce Young will be healthy going into next year. He's played enough games. He knows what's going on. Right now, you may be doing more damage than good by constantly throwing him out there in these types of elements. And let him just sit back and watch and see what's going on with Andy Dalton and how he handles things. And I just think that would be a really good idea, to be honest with you. But I sincerely doubt that's what the Panthers will do. Um, but I but I think that should be something that they seriously and strongly consider and actually do. All right, so when we come back, we'll put a big bow on this Friday night and send you off into the weekend. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen on a Friday night. All right, so earlier today, I was on Brett Warnable's show, and I was talking about the string of and rash of car break-ins, or not even break-ins, car vandalism that took place in South Park, Myers Park, and has happened in other parts of Charlotte, throughout Charlotte. And what happened at one of the apartment complexes that's near South Park Mall, and then at a retail center that's near South Park Mall, and at condos, mid-level condos that are near Myers Park uh, Country Club, 
people were breaking in and I, you know, you hear through the grapevine and through some of the sources that they believe it is a couple of girls or females, but climbed over 15 foot high fences, got in and just started randomly smashing windows on mid-level cars, Camrys, Honda Accords, Civics, Hyundais, stuff like that. Not the high-end cars, the mid-level cars, and just started smashing windows and not taking anything out. Some windows had, or some of the cars had a lot of Christmas presents and whatnot, didn't take it. They did steal a car because someone left their car keys in a car and in the garage that was locked and gated, but they were able to get out because someone left their keys in the car and they stole the car. But it just seems to be random acts of violence against cars for no reason. I mean, they're smashing all these windows and it was about 60 cars is what I was told, roughly 60 cars that were vandalized and had their windows smashed out. And it's uh, it's pretty wild. And, you know, it just goes to show, hey, this is what we deal with now in Charlotte. This is Charlotte. This is never going away. You think this is going to be a one-time incident? Hardly. This is where we live now. It is slowly but surely becoming Baltimore and Memphis every single day. Every single week, every single day, this area, Thankfully, it hasn't spilled over into like York County and Union County and Gaston County and Cabarrus County and Iredell County and Lincoln County. It hasn't spilled over into that. It is basically just here in Charlotte within the Charlotte city limits that is becoming like Baltimore and Memphis every single day. It's just, it never ends. One of the other things that happened in Charlotte earlier today that caught the political world completely off guard because only a few people know was that the wife of Charlotte City Council member Tark Bakari, Krista Bakari, has filed to run for a uh, North Carolina House of Representatives seat. It's unbelievable. No one saw that coming. District 104 is the area that she's running, and it's a winnable district. And part of that district is actually in Tark Bakari's district, I believe. And here's the thing. the She has no political experience other than her husband, and other than helping her husband win his elections. I mean, this is becoming a thing. I mean, Hillary Clinton did it, right? Hillary Clinton, you know, ran for Senate. And she ran for president and lost both times badly. But she did win her Senate election in New York a few times. So this is not completely unusual where you're seeing wives of successful politicians decide to get in because they see how it is done from the inside. They understand the inner workings of it all. And I hope to have Krista early next week on my show. Um, I don't think she's doing hardly any media interviews. She's not the type to seek out the camera. She's not exactly like her husband, Tark Bakari. She's a little bit more reserved in that respect. But Krista, hopefully, hopefully, um, will be able to be on the show next week. But that is a very, very interesting aspect. The fact that you have Tark Bakari, a Shaw city council member who just won a very difficult election, spent the most money that, that he did and that total uh, political race, Democrat and Republican, spent the most money in North Carolina history for a local election. We're not even talking a state election or a federal election. We're talking just a local district election. The most money spent to win an election in North Carolina history. I think he spent 500000 and his opponent spent 250000 And he was able to win by some 350 votes. And so we'll see what happens with her. But I, at least they know 
what they're getting into. They understand the political terrain. They understand what it's going to take to win. And so does she, because she was very instrumental in trying to get Tark elected. And he has been elected the last two times in very, very difficult races. So Krista Bakari is running in uh, District 104. And that's going to be very, very interesting. And I can't wait to finally get a chance to speak to her about that. And a couple other things before we send you off into the night. So one of the things that we're looking at also, again, going back to the Carolina Panthers and what's going to happen with their coaching search. So the uh, Los Angeles Chargers just fired their head coach after that ridiculous what at one point it was like 63 to 7 i think it wound up being like 63 to 14 or whatever it was where they lost to the raiders uh last night unbelievable game but that staff's gone and so what you need to do now is figure out okay what is a better job as of right now the la chargers or the carolina panthers it's not even close it's the la chargers they have tons of stars on that roster, including Justin Herbert as quarterback, which is why the head coach was fired because it's a disastrous team. Like you should be competing for the AFC championship with that roster, not trust barely making it to the playoffs and missing to the playoffs a couple of years. So the Carolina Panthers are going to have to compete against that. Maybe it's Jim Harbaugh that wants that job. Maybe Bill Belichick will take that job. I, I don't know. Maybe Bill Belichick will go down to Washington and, and take the Washington Commanders because by all accounts, Ron Rivera is going to be fired at the end of the season. So now that's another place that they're going to have to compete against with the, or the Carolina Panthers are going to have to compete against for the coach they want. And there's probably going to be a few more coaches getting fired, probably up in Chicago. That coach will probably get fired at the end of the year as well. There's a lot of places that are sitting there going, yeah, you know what? You might be out. You might be out across the board. Maybe Buffalo. If Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs, maybe they're uh, Sean McDermott. Maybe he gets fired. <clears throat> if he gets fired... Maybe Pittsburgh's head coach, Mike Tomlin, gets fired for the possibility. So there's a lot of things that could go on that Carolina's going to have to compete against. And I like how attractive is the Carolina job? The, the belief is, whether it's true or not, but the overwhelming belief is that you have an owner that's extremely meddlesome, extremely meddlesome. Like on top of that, you know, a rookie quarterback who didn't play very well, a horrible offensive line and no wide receivers. I mean, it's not exactly the most attractive job out there, but David Tepper's probably going to have to overpay by a lot to get the coach that he actually wants. All right, everyone. So look, that's going to do it for us tonight. I appreciate everyone listening through the entire show. I mean, there's a lot of things going on locally in the world of politics. And today was the last day to file. I think at noon, by noon today, everyone who's filing for office had to have filed. And there are some surprises here and there, just like Krista Bakari and a couple other things. But it's going to be interesting, and hopefully starting next week, we'll start getting in some of these candidates and doing long-form interviews with some of these candidates. Um, some, one or two, you know, or actually a few, a few of them might actually be an hour-long candidate in studio. Most of those people will almost assuredly be congressional candidates. But the local candidates, I hope to do a lot of interviews with the local candidates because there are a lot of Republicans running against other Republicans and Democrats running against Democrats. But mostly it's Republicans versus Republicans in a lot of these primaries. So we're going to make sure we get you all that and it will start next week. And I can't tell you who it is, but I've got someone coming in next week that's extremely well known for the full hour. And he is running in the political world and he will have a primary, a very important primary on March 5th. So we'll have that person coming in uh, mid mid to late next week. 
for the entire hour. All right, everyone. So have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing all you guys and talking to all you guys again next week. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.